Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 170, Purim with Eliana Morris. This is a highly requested topic, and we are so excited to have Eliana on to talk about her experiences with Purim, the incredible mythology behind it, and all the ways that folks celebrate right now. Yeah, and it's just in time for Purim as well. So stoked. I Seriously, I learned so much. I'm never going to look at um, Hamantaschen again the same way. It's great. And you know who else is just in time, Amanda? Is it our newest patrons, Clara, Desiree, Sinan, Alexandra, and Landon, who join the ranks of our distinguished supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Megan, Deborah, Molly, Skyla, Samantha, Sammy, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh? Yes, it is, as well as our legend-level patrons, Lacey, Brittany, Josie, Kylie, Morgan, Kylo the Husky, BME Up Scotty, Audra, Chris, Mark, Mr. Folk, Sarah, and Jack Marie. They get all of the holiday-themed pastries that they want in life. Amazing. And Julia, what would you pair with some great pastries in the story of Purim? So Eliana suggested red wine, and who are we to say no to that? Uh, we think you should go to your local wine store, check it out, make friends with the owners, get good recommendations from them. That's what we did. Uh, our red wine from this episode was recommended to us by our friends at Dandelion here in Greenpoint, and they sent us home with a bottle of Primitivo from Valentina Passalacquia in Italy. Amazing. I also really like to read books while drinking red wine, sometimes in the bath, sometimes not. Um, so this week, I am recommending as my book for everybody, Too Much, How Victorian Constraints Still Bind Women Today by Rachel Verona Cote. Yeah. And if you want to purchase that book, as well as many of the other books that we have mentioned as recommendations on the show, you can go to spiritspodcast.com slash books, and you can find a way of purchasing those books and also donating money to indie bookstores. Yeah, it doesn't cost you any more than it normally would, but this website, bookshop.org, divides profits in a co-op model among indie bookstores, so we are stoked to support it. And what else is going on in the world of Multitude right now, Amanda? Well, we have just yesterday dropped the first episode of Join the Party Season 2 with Julia and myself, Woo. along with Eric Silver and Brandon Grugel. Uh, we are beyond excited to bring you this modern day campaign. So we're starting off with four episodes about how we designed our world and our campaign. So really interesting behind the scenes stuff for any storyteller much less, you know, DMs and Dungeons and Dragons players. Uh, and we also have a bunch of live shows coming up. Potterless is performing with Harry Potter and the Sacred Text in April in New Orleans. And then we are coming live to a museum, Dream Goals, in Boston in May. So you can find out more about all of those shows and all the things that we're doing at Multitude.Productions. Absolutely. But listen, guys, this episode is... Uh, incredible. So we are not going to keep you any longer. Thank you again to Eliana for joining us. And now enjoy Spirits Podcast, episode 170, Purim. We are so excited to welcome Eliana Morris to the show, a conspirator who was like, hey, you need to know about Esther, about Purim, and how we celebrate it, and why we celebrate it, and why it's amazing. And also feminism? Yeah. So good. And I want to learn all about it. Welcome, Eliana. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Um, would you like to just kind of start with giving us kind of the background of your experience with Purim? Like maybe the first time you remember celebrating it or the first time you heard the story? Yeah, so um, I grew up Jewish and you know, my family has, you know, we connect, my family and I connect on Judaism. So there's a video from my very first Purim. I was almost a year old because my birthday's in April. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom had dressed me up as a little hippie 
And I'm just crawling around my grandmother's kitchen, you know, playing with the camera because I was a very distracted child. Mm. Um, and so so that's, you know, now my first memory of Purim. I think my really first memory of Purim is I used to have this Queen Esther costume. It was like a mauve velvet dress. Ooh. And my younger Ooh. sister had one. So we would dress up as Queen Esther together for the Purim celebration at Temple. And, you know, in, you know, I, you, you start going to Hebrew, to, to Hebrew school and Sunday school at, in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And especially in those younger years, what you, you mostly learn about the holidays and the traditions because to build a foundation for, you know, more intricate Jewish learning later on in life. And we would used to have rebuses telling us the story of Purim. A rebus is like where there's words, but then when there's a word that can have a picture that corresponds to it, there's mm -hmm. a picture. So like okay. if if you say the word I, there's a picture of an I. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. That makes yeah. sense. A little glossary. Yeah, it's a little glossary. It's it's a way to read when you're young and still have pictures. Um, shout out to Gaston. Um, <laughs> so I, I grew up celebrating Purim. I grew up celebrating all of these major holidays um, and learning about them and studying them and encouraging people in my life to celebrate and study them as well. Fantastic. And I'm so ready to hear why this holiday in particular is one that you love talking about and celebrating. So do I want to start with the story of Perm and then we can get into how it's celebrated and why it's important to you? Yeah, let's do that. Um, so this story takes place in Persia, um, which is now known as Iran. Um, and the capital of the kingdom of Persia was called Shushan. S-H-U-S-H-A-N. It's a really hard word to say. Shushan. <laughs> and the king of Persia was named Ahasuerus. His queen was named Vashti. And they had a seven-day feast for everybody in the kingdom at his palace. Mm. And so seven days of drinking, eating, general debauchery. There was one for the men overseen by Ahasuerus and one for the women overseen by Queen Vashti, which sounds amazing. You know, seven days with the girls drinking. Love it. I'm always yeah. a fan of extended periods of time with the ladies just eating and getting drunk and having fun. You have to be really strategic about your drinking uh, on something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to make sure you you stick to a theme. You transition at certain points. You hydrate one to one. Mm -hmm. Really got to like approach it with the seriousness it deserves. You need methodology. Yeah. This is why you have the yes. mom friend invited to the party because they will make sure that everyone drinks uh, their water, make sure that they have like food in their stomach before you start another round, that sort of thing. Huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's huge. It's great. Um, so... The, we had these two separate parties. On the seventh day of the feast, Ahasuerus was very drunk. Like, he had been drinking seven straight days. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show off my wife. Uh-oh. Mm, okay. So Cute. Yeah. I mean, very good, like, idea in theory. He sends mm -hmm. for Vashti to come and show herself off wearing only her crown. Okay. Listen, nothing else. If you and your husband have that kind of relationship, there is nothing wrong with that. If you want to... And your guests consent to it mm -hmm. and you're just like ready to be like, hey, we are married and in love and we're both so hot. Like, okay. Look at how hot we are. But she was not feeling it. She refused. And that made Ahasuerus very angry. Oh. Less okay. Less okay. Exactly. So he turns to the other men in the room, especially the noble men like the princes, and said, what should we do? And I'm going to quote from the Book of Esther here. 
Um, they said, Vashti hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all of the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. Okay. So not only did she insult you, she insulted everybody in the kingdom. Uh, I think that's oh. a little strong of a uh, <laughs> of a conclusion there, but all it's right. It's like very zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like she's insulted me by not letting her by not letting me see her naked form, which like okay, but but the whole kingdom. Yeah, well, I mean, a big thread throughout the story is men taking things way out of proportion, <laughs> as it mm. always is. Mm. Mm. So they were afraid that the news of what Vashti had done or hadn't done would spread throughout the kingdom, and other women would start quote acting out that they would start mm. okay, but... not you know being naked for their husbands' friends. Um, <laughs> Why don't we just let women do what they want and not be like, oh, well, you must be naked because you are my wife. Yeah. That seems silly. Like, extremely basic bodily autonomy. Yeah. Like, That's all we're asking for. Let's learn that. Ahasuerus pulled a Henry VIII and divorced Vashti. Now, did he have to invent divorce? No, just that like was already <laughs> a thing in his world. He didn't have to invent wow. divorce and reinvent the wheel. How fortunate for him. Yes. Listen to Six, the musical. It's everything. Please tell us what Six is. What is that? (laughs) Um, Six is a pop musical about Mm. Henry VIII's wives. Six, six wives. What? Um, And they each have a chance to tell their story and not include his, and take take back the narrative. I, oh my God. Okay, I am downloading on Spotify. It opens very shortly on Broadway, Julia. Amanda, get us tickets. Excuse me, please. Get us (laughs) tickets. You have that in. I, I love a fourth wall breaking. Mm. Yeah, it's everything. They have microphones, you know, like each queen has a pop diva that she resembles. So like Oh my. Catherine of Aragon is like Beyonce. Of course she is. What else yeah. would she be? Anne Boleyn is like Avril Lavigne. Okay, yeah. That, I think that there are some right. very specific um, like queer archetypes for whom this musical is everything. Yes, yes. And, and the whole fandom has erupted over this show. And it's amazing. And it started out in London as a final project for two history students. What? Yes, thank you. And it opened on the West End. It was in Chicago for a while at the Shakespeare Theatre. Because if you're going to have a musical about an old English person, you're going to have it at the Shakespeare Theater. Obviously. Of course. Why not? Um, they're about to do an, a musical of Emma, and I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I'll tell you how that was. Oh, please. And um, it's coming to Broadway with the cast that I saw in Chicago, one of which her sister is Jessie Mueller from Waitress and Beautiful. Whoa. I love Jesse Mueller. What a and they great got their actor. start. Family. They got their start at in in what my opinion is the best regional theater in Chicago. So I grew up seeing these women in shows. That's incredible. Oh my gosh! Total total uh, sidebar here, but I am going to see Six right the heck tomorrow. It's heck yeah! Amazing. And you know, I studied Tudor history in college, and I love <laughs> musicals. So it was written for me. I love when things just fill that exact niche of your interest. Mm-hmm. It's just the like, thing oh, that yes, you didn't know for you me. needed until you had. It's like, wow, I'm so glad like one person was like, I'm going to make this specifically for me. Me, yeah. a real person. It's perfect. Incredible. So anyway, Ahasuerus decided to be Henry VIII <laughs> and divorced his wife for not being naked in front of his friends. <sighs> And made a decree. Sigh. Yeah. And he's, this is, I'm reading again from Esther. And when the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, 
All the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both great and small, that every man should bear rule in his own house. So, okay, bud. You know, starting off, we are not huge fans of Ahasuerus. No, he's not really doing it for me right now. He's he's you know just thinking with not his brain, um, mm-hmm. and is could potentially be you know tearing up his kingdom because his wife didn't get naked. So, again... It seems a little out of proportion, mm-hmm. if you ask me. So, again, Henry VIII. Now he needed a new queen. Sent out a decree for all the young virgins in the land, because she obviously has to be a young virgin. Yes, obviously. Do they have, like, a registry? How does this yeah, work? Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. Unfortunately, <laughs> they might have, yeah. That is a great question. How are they deciding which virgins get to go to the palace? I think, I think it's, like, a Cinderella thing where all of the eligible maidens must attend. Ah, of course. Um, so he, so every young virgin was sent and he was going to, he was going to choose what, whoever he liked best, like in Emperor's New Groove, how Cusco at the beginning sets up all of these women. He goes, no, 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 no. That's what Ahasuerus was going to do. Yep. Love it. Um, and I remember seeing that movie for the first time. I'm like, oh, it's like Forum. (laughs) Um, so that's where I am. (laughs) <laughs> so now the, in Shushan, which was the capital, there lived a man named Mordechai. Um, now at this time, the temple had been destroyed in Jerusalem. And so Jews had kind of, you know, dispersed all over the world. It's called diaspora. Um, so, mm-hmm. so Mordechai was living in Shushan. And he was raising his niece, Esther. And Esther was one of the women that was sent to the palace. And for a year, she lived there being ritually purified, like taking herb and oil baths and she mm. was a part of his harem which harem <laughs> this mm. honestly i mean it sounds like when on the bachelor the ladies get like a spa day without the bachelor and they just get to enjoy themselves and like not worry about this man's <laughs> opinion that's kind of yeah. what it feels like uh yeah. but then he comes in and he picks one later so eh. Yeah, there's there's just like undertone of like getting ready for male consumption uh, that is, you know, a little bit problematic. Little and bit. there are articles out there, which I and I can send you a link of comparing this part of the forum story to The Bachelor. Oh, hell yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad I'm on the money here. <laughs> I will send I will send some links. Um, So she's there for a year and it says she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins so that mm. he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So she becomes the queen. Okay, all right. Well, good on you, Esther. It's better than nothing. Yeah, and her uncle, Mordechai, becomes, like, sits outside the gate and is security. Now, at this point, it's, it, they, they don't say that they're Jewish. Um, okay. And, and, and specifically, Mordechai is counseling Esther and telling her not to say that, he, that they're Jewish because... I mean, kind of like now, saying you're Jewish and being outwardly Jewish can be like having a target on your back. I get it. Which is a whole other scary thing. Hmm. Um, so, so, she, so she doesn't tell her husband that she's Jewish. Now, as part of like the security team, for lack of a better term, Mordecai learns of a plot to kill the king. Hmm. That these two guys want to kill the king. And he puts an end to it. And they are um, hanged. And this incident oh, is written in the Book of Chronicles, like ev- the book that says everything that happens around the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a thing that happens. Remember that for later. Um, <laughs> this is a plot point that will be important later. Yeah, I feel like the narrator yeah. and Jane the Virgin when I say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or like a uh, I also feel like game I've... where it's like, oh, 
Mordecai will remember this. <laughs> I also feel like I know so many like people's uncles named Mordecai. And it's very exciting to me to have this like amalgamation of like several uncles that I know in my brain as you're telling the story. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that. Now, at this point, Ahasuerosh appoints a man named Haman as his viceroy. And when you think of Haman, I want you to have Jafar in your mind because he's an evil assistant to the king. I feel like no I'm loving these analogs. I feel like no story that featured a viceroy the viceroy has ever been good. I always if someone says viceroy I'm immediately like like oh power hungry bad guy excellent. Yes, I know what we're talking about. Well, with the beard. I guess because all of the good ones uh don't need to insert themselves into the historical narrative. So the <laughs> ones fair. that we hear about are the ones who are like no, but me. I'm the real king. Yeah. All right, that's that's fair. And and growing up, I always equated Jafar and Haman in my head because you know I grew I was so I grew up in the early two thousands and so you know by that time like you know we had Aladdin on disc on not on disc on VHS and so <laughs> Jafar was Haman Haman was Jafar and of when course. I think of like when I try to picture the character of Haman in my mind I just think of Jafar that's wonderful yeah so. Haman had a healthy ego, a very healthy ego. And as a man high in the king's esteem, you know, people would bow to him like they bowed to the king. Um, now, in the Torah, in the Ten Commandments, there's a commandment saying that you shall bow, you shall not bow to any other god but me. So right. Mordecai wouldn't bow to this man. And sure. he, I mean, good. Yeah. He was like following his religion, doing his thing, not bowing to a asshole and this made Haman very angry and it's it's not really clear how or I, at least I couldn't find anything in my research but Haman figures out that Mordecai is Jewish mm. oh, no. now this time it, the relationship between Mordecai and Esther wasn't clear like people didn't know that they were related so one man doesn't bow to me he's Jewish I'm going to destroy all the Jews that that was his thought process <sighs> which very reasonable right I mean it's not but it's also you know, tragically so yeah. predictable yeah yeah and especially if you look at if you look at the way anti-semitism is acted out upon today it's yeah it's very similar um so Haman goes to Ahasuerosh and says you know the, these Jews they, they have a lot of money they're, they're getting really powerful we should get rid of them Yeesh. and you can get their money I mean literally a thing that is being perpetuated today yes yeah. and and like that's a whole thing about like how the only jobs we were allowed to have was banking money lending jobs and so that's why those stereotypes ex exist but that's a whole other you know rabbit hole but one that people should should go down yeah, and yeah. educate yourself yeah. on these stereotypes because it's like if you are offended by the ideas that goblins and harry potter are anti-semitic then uh you got a lot of reading to do my yeah. bud yep so uh, like i said the it wasn't known right at this point that esther and mordecai were related Haman started telling ahasuerus that the jews should be killed and to take the spoil of them for prey which basically means kill the men, Ugh. also kill the women, but like have fun with the women first. Uh, Not great. No. Yeah. Stop so, doing that. So, you know, we hated, we, we didn't love Ahasuerus in the beginning, but now Haman is just so much worse. He's anti-Semitic, yeah. anti egotistical, misogynist, just terrible. Yeah, we, we, we have a misogynist and then we have just all around terrible dude. Yeah. Yeah, like you, okay, so you're offended that somebody is A, following his religion, that sucks, and B, that he won't bow to you before God? Like, I'm sorry, you're not the king. You're the king's, uh, like, right-hand man, and you aren't God. Like, that shouldn't be offensive to anybody that you would, like, choose some or to save or to, like, venerate um, your God only in this particular way. It's, it's very, like, you know, toxic 
I'm perfect, everyone else should love me situation. That again, we see- Masculinity is so fragile. Yeah, fragile masculinity, and especially finding a scapegoat for that fragile masculinity. Yeah. And often that is the closest Jewish person. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, So Mordecai heard about this and publicly went into mourning for all of the Jews that had already been slaughtered. So he didn't eat. He tore his clothes, which is, you know, the traditional way to be in mourning. You tear your clothes. You wear sackcloth. And Mm -hmm. Esther finds out what's going on. She finds out what her husband has decreed and she finds out what her uncle is doing. Right. And Mordecai says, hey, you know, you can you can intercede like you can you can do something about it. But she knows that anyone who approaches the king without his invitation gets dead um <sighs> yeah he was a very volatile like temperamental person hey, so she hey monarchy bad hey monarchy yeah, chill. like they know that firsthand Ugh. and, and you, you, you've got to imagine she's so terrified right now because she's married to the person that's killing her people and she knows that if she tries to intercede she'll probably be killed Mm. I genuinely can't. That's, oh, God. Or at best, exiled like Vashti was. Yeah, and, like, there's no way that he'll, like, best case scenario, maybe he'll be mad at her for keeping a secret. But, like, there's no way that he could appreciate exactly how dangerous it would be for her to be upfront about that. Right, because he doesn't look through the lens, because his lens is all about privilege. Mm. Yeah. And, like, the persecutor. Exactly. Exactly. So... So Mordecai gets mad with his niece because he's like, you know what? He says, if you will remain silent at this time, salvation will come to the Jews in some other way. God will intervene. But you and your legacy will be erased forever. Who knows if this is the reason why all this happened and why you're here in this position right now? Yeah. So he, he basically saying, yes, like, uncle, thank you. You have a pedestal. I understand that it's scary, but use it like. Yeah. Like, I, I, like it's it's terrifying. It's awful. But use the power that you have to make a difference. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about people in positions of power being able to speak out for people who have none. Yeah. And like she is part of a like persecuted minority and she is also in like grave personal danger. Mm-hmm. And again, like that's not something I think that you can appreciate unless you're approaching the story from her point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's also like to Mordecai's point, you know the people who are remembered are the ones that um, stand up and it's, you know, your, your personal safety is one thing, but it maybe isn't the ultimate thing. Um, If you have ideals that are higher than that, whether that's like defending your people or, you know, doing something with your life that advances a cause that you, you know, are willing to make real sacrifices for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, It reminds me of the saying, well-behaved women rarely make history. Yeah. You know, and then you know, so she left her. She left. She she went back to her 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 chambers, and she realized that she needed that that she was really the only person that could do something about this now. Mm-hmm. So she spent three days preparing, and when I say preparing, I mean praying, fasting, just getting herself ready. And you know, fasting is a big thing in Judaism. We don't do it as much anymore. Um, but it's a way that we show penance to God, saying like, I I did wrong. So I I didn't do the right thing. So I'm depriving myself of food to, to show right. you how bad i feel dang girl after three days of fasting and praying she puts on all of her royal apparel gets super pretty and goes to the throne room and shows strength in her vulnerability she purposefully mm. i think feminizes herself up to get the best reaction out of her husband mm. so she yeah. she knows what she needs to do to get it done she also knows his weaknesses wow. which is feminism yeah that is so that is so smart 
like this is a this is a general level of thinking like like a general in an army yeah. like this level of planning yeah she's so smart um so she goes to the throne room and and you know Ahasuerus sees her his queen who he hasn't seen in a few days looking beautiful in all of her queenly glory and says what is it you know whatever whatever you want i'll give it to you even if it's half the kingdom there you go mm. fucking look at that esther look at that planning yes. got it done yes yes and like i gotta believe that like if if this situation wasn't so dire she'd have been like hey can like can i have a few a few things like can, <laughs> can, can i like i don't know i would be like hey can i get like 80 more books because Which I love like, yeah, here's like, my list of demands. Yeah, exactly. uh, it includes books and also uh, letting my people not be killed. That'd be yeah. cool, right? Yeah. And like, my uncle needs a house and he needs to decree forever that uh, Jews are sacred and safe. And yeah. Yeah. It sounds great. So she says, all I want is to throw a banquet in honor of Haman. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. An interesting choice. Must be a plan here. There's got to be a plan. <laughs> and, and, you know, you got to think, you know, she hates this man. She hates this man. Mm -hmm. And so for her to say, I want to celebrate him because she knows she needs to get him in a vulnerable position is so brave. Oh, yeah, it is. And I mean, think about it in the terms of, of someone who has to be in the same room as their harasser, abuser. Mm. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And like even saying those words, even the idea that this person would be worthy of veneration is like... That's fucking like re-traumatizing you. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. So so Esther is you know using her femininity to her advantage, you know, getting over her fears or at least you know tamping them down to do the things that she needs to do. So at the feast, she invites them to another feast the next day because, you know, you can't just have one feast. Sure. Um, no. That's not how feasts work. No, you can't just have one. Now, everybody who worked at the palace was at this feast, so Mordecai was also there. Mm -hmm. And again, Mordecai didn't bow to Haman. Um, and again, Haman takes this small perceived slight way out of proportion <sighs> and builds a gallows to hang Mordecai on the next day. Haman, just chill for like two seconds, bro. Seriously. He needs to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that night, Ahasuerus can't sleep. He is insomnia, whatever. And so he gets one of his clerks to read the daily records to him, the, 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 the chronicles to him, just to help him fall asleep to the monotony. Sure. Wait, wait, wait. So he's like having someone read him like the daily palace logs because he can't sleep. That is incredibly relatable. Yes. This is like having Scooter from Sleep With Me just like come to my house and read and tell me stories so that I can fall asleep. Because it's I'm calm. so rich yeah, and so like, powerful. Yeah. The uh, the BBC uh, World Service has like a global weather report podcast. Yes. And that's what I listen to when I can't fall asleep. <laughs> Extremely good, but And so in listening to these daily records, he hears about how Mordecai saved his life. Oh, finally. Oh, he know before. Yeah. Um, because he hadn't known about it before. So the next day, he goes up to Haman and he says, Haman... What should I do to a man that I want to honor? Like, like if you were me, how would you how would you celebrate a man that you want to honor? And mm. Haman, with his healthy ego, thinks that the king is talking about him. <laughs> oh God, I love so it. So he Haman. says, "Oh, well, you should give him lots of money and throw him a parade." <laughs> Haman Obviously. is just the like the subject of that song. You're so vain. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's just that, huh? <laughs> or or Taylor Swift's You Need to Calm Down. There we go. 
Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, so, so he's like, obviously, lots of money in a parade. So that's what the king does for Mordecai. And this makes Haman very angry. Um, he's like, what? You're honoring him? But I'm right here. Um, so... This is such a specific and delicious punishment for Haman specifically. Yeah. Nom, 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 and nom, he nom. deserves every moment of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very, like, unctuous. We are sponsored this week by Skillshare. You love them, you know them, but did you know that Skillshare is a way you can deepen your existing passions, explore new skills, and generally get lost in creativity. Skillshare's online classes will help you find stuff that will surprise and inspire you because this online learning community has membership that also has meaning. You're not just like joining and then never going to touch it again because Skillshare has so many real projects to create, so much to explore, and the support of fellow creatives, both instructors and fellow students who can empower you to accomplish real growth. This week, I was curious about kind of applying something that I already know to a medium I don't. So I took video on a budget, prepare for your shoot without breaking the bank, taught by Christopher Rhodes, uh, which is fascinating because I don't make video, but I do make budgets. And it was really, really interesting to see his tips for saving money, but also investing in the right stuff. So you can take that class along with the thousands and thousands of others at Skillshare.com spirits2. That'll get you two free months of premium membership, which includes unlimited access to all of their classes. Yep, that's Skillshare.com spirits2 for two months of premium subscription. For free. Thanks, Skillshare. Amanda, we were traveling recently, and I was worried about the amount of space that I had in my bag, you know? You know, you're always a little worried, like, oh, am I going to overpack for this trip? Am I going to underpack for this trip? It's never a good thing, right? I have to include 35 Spirits t-shirts in my suitcase. How am I going to do that? And also bring six days worth of clothes. Yeah. And so one of my biggest things is I need a bra that is going to be both versatile and also comfortable for all that traveling. And luckily... I have bras from Third Love. Third Love is here and they are doing bras differently. They believe that every person deserves to feel comfortable and confident every day. And with the right kind of support, you know, for, for your boobs, they can do that. Totally. They also have a great Fit Finder quiz. So you can take the quiz online. It takes 60 seconds or less. And over 15 million people have used it to actually both have fun, but also get to know the exact size that will fit your body best, including all those little details like how do your current bras fit? What is the shape of your breast? Because that really matters. Yeah. And honestly, I can say Third Love is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own. They have straps that won't slip. They have tagless labels, so no itching. That's a big one for me. So clutch. And they have a lightweight, super thin memory foam cup that is designed to mold to the shape of your breast. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra out there for everyone. So right now they're offering 15% off your first order at thirdlove.com spirits to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off. Yep, that's thirdlove.com slash spirits for 15% off today. Amanda, what if soldiers in the United States Army were actually witches? That would be pretty tight, and I would care a lot more about my taxes going to fund the army. <laughs> well, in Motherland, Fort Salem, that's exactly the way it is. In a witch army, the women are the ones with the power. And Motherland, Fort Salem is a new original TV series from Freeform, who are the creators of Claws and the executive producers of Succession. Ooh. Over 300 years ago, witches made a deal to end their persecution in exchange for their freedom. They would become the country's 
front line of defense. Motherland Fort Salem takes place in modern-day America, and it follows three new cadets as they turn their immense power into weapons, from basic training to learning how to bring the full fury and destruction of an actual tornado against the enemy. And there is one hell of an enemy. A chilling terrorist group known as the Spree have begun to tear the country and the world apart. So these young women are our only hope. They were born witches. They will be made warriors. So this is Motherland, Fort Salem. It premieres Wednesday, March 18th on Freeform. That's Wednesday, March 18th to watch Motherland, Fort Salem on Freeform. And now let's get back to the show. So later that night, it's time for the second banquet. And at this banquet, Esther finally reveals that she's Jewish and that her uncle is Jewish and that Haman is planning to exterminate her people. I hope it was a big dramatic speech. (laughs) And that the people that Haman is planning to exterminate is, is her. Oof. This is the single most, like, dangerous and ballsy, for lack of a better word, uh, choice that I have ever heard. Yeah, it's 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 very much like, oh, you're going to let him kill these people? Well, guess what? Then you'll have to kill me, too. Mm. I mean, again, unfortunately, like, then and, and in many circumstances now, exposing yourself as being Jewish. Like, that's not just saying a thing about you. Um, that is, like, opening yourself up for, like serious harm serious and harm. i i so appreciate the the bravery of this act and the reason that it's remembered and celebrated mm-hmm. yeah um and so for the first time in this whole story ahasuerus does something smart realizes <laughs> that he's getting really angry and takes himself out of the room wow oh, having some what? poise really yeah it's it's very like oh you're uh, okay you're doing that now um so he takes himself out of the room, he takes a walk, cools himself down. Mm-hmm. When he comes Damn. back, okay. And then he comes back and he sees Haman trying to force himself on Esther. Well, what the fuck, Haman? Uh, what the actual fuck? Fucking predictable. In case Leaves we need the room to for hate 5 him more. minutes. Yeah, no. It's... Yeah, let's let's review. This man is a a virulent misogynist. He's extremely anti-semitic and not just that he is like trying to mobilize resources against the jews he is incredibly egotistical and he starts like actual extinction of a people over someone not bowing to him and then assaults a woman that's cool too i guess like jesus great and then in my notes i have in all caps by Haman, you're being hanged on the gallows you built for mordecai uh wasted by his own finally Yes, it's it's sweet justice. Mm. All of the people that was work that were working with him and all of the enemies are killed, but mm. there are no spoils. So do you remember how Haman was like, "Oh, we should take our spoils. We should take their stuff. We should rape their women." That isn't turned over onto them. Good. Wow. You know, we're we're showing the upper hand. We're showing restraint. Um, and at the end, Mordecai takes Haman's place. He's now the second man in the kingdom, and he institutes the holiday of Purim, saying we should celebrate this time that we were able to overcome this anti-Semitism. Heck yeah! Wow. So that's the story of Purim. Oh my god! It's amazing. Um, it is. This is such a metal holiday. <laughs> it is, but like all Jewish holidays, we celebrate it with, you know, general tomfoolery. We celebrate with costumes and fun snacks and giving back to the community and also lots of wine. Mm. Our kind (laughs) of holiday. It's said that you should drink so much wine that you can't recognize the difference between Haman and Mordecai. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
um, which I love. I love it. Which I love. Um, so, so like I said, we we give back to the community. That's called Mishloach Minot. You fill baskets with like non-perishable foods. Usually they're kosher, just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a lot of things that you don't realize are kosher are actually kosher. It's easier than you think. Um, you read the Megillah, which is like a, a beautifully, um, almost like an illuminated scroll. Like you know how you know what illuminated manuscripts are. Right. Right. It's like gilded and pretty. So it's kind of like that. You pull out the story and you read it like that. And there's like a special uh, chanting that goes along with that specific story. And you have Gregors, which are noisemakers. And every time the word Haman is said during the telling of the story of Purim, you have to make noise and say boo. <laughs> um, which is very cathartic. I remember last year after Pittsburgh happened, Outwardly saying boo to anti-Semitism was very helpful to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. And and you dress up in costumes. Now, some parents will dress their kids up like as Esther or as Ahasuerus or as Mordecai. And then, you know, you have the Darth Vader's and the princesses and the Harry Potter's and the <laughs> sure, pirates sure. or whatever. And like I said, my <laughs> first poem, I was dressed up as a hippie. Um, Extremely sweet. I was adorable. Um, if I oh no doubt. <laughs> um, and there's usually like a little porum, like a little costume parade that the kids will go up and like show their costumes, and mom and grandma will take pictures. Um, and we usually do a porum spiel, which is like a little porum play, mm. um, usually based off of a popular movie or musical at the time. This is like a themed Haggadah, but like better. It's <laughs> a themed Haggadah on steroids <laughs> yeah because it's like it's an actual show like there are rehearsals they're singing um <laughs> about 10 years ago you know 15 years ago at this point my synagogue did a grease Purim spiel and my dad played Haman. oh, oh my god so he was wearing a leather jacket and he kind of looked like kanicki but like if kanicki was you know bald and short <laughs> sure um, i love leaning so hard into like modern contexts for the celebration of this holiday yeah and then and then a few years later it was a lion king porn spiel and i played mm. nala slash esther i love so that i literally was wearing like a like a lion costume and had face paint on so good which was you know uncomfortable but great um, <laughs> for the art though for the art yeah do it for the art um and so like you know the like lately there's been a lot of like the greatest showman form spiels hamilton mm. form spiels, um frozen that kind of thing um i see now both like uh the like serious you know coming out and and closeting and all those reasons that uh, a lot of my queer jewish friends refer to purim as like the queerest jewish holiday um but also the parades and the showmanship strike me as extremely good and queer yeah it's it's fantastic and it's it teaches children especially like young like preschool age children the story of purim in a way that they can relate to that's true there's a lot of uh serious stuff in the in the real history and context of the holiday you know you're introduced from such a young age and as you grow up you learn more about like why Vashi was sent away and like one of the reasons why Haman was actually killed and with a lot of you know a lot of Jewish holiday stories you know you start off with the bare basics and as you grow older and as you mature and especially after your bar bat mitzvah you learn more of the the pg-13 r-rated stuff about these stories Mm. Yeah. And at the beginning, yeah. it's just, oh, Haman was bad. He wanted to kill the Jews. Esther was brave. Mordecai was brave. Let's sing the circle mm. of life. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
so so there's the forum spiel um there's a snack it's called hummentaschen they're little mm. triangle shaped cookies because Heyman wore a triangle hat oh, and I love and in the center there's usually like poppy seeds or jam or chocolate and they're delicious we always have to have a snack with our holidays i love a good holiday snack yeah yeah we have we, we have some pretty good holiday snacks yeah like, that is latkes true. come on yeah um so good. This year, uh, Eric Silver, uh, of all of the other Jewish episodes on Spirits, um, <laughs> and I used uh, my grandma's KitchenAid with a meat grinder, like sausage maker attachment, to like grate the potatoes for our latkes. Yeah. And let me tell you, y'all, it was life-changing. They're so aerated that like you barely even needed any leavening agent. Like It was incredible. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'll do that. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was so fun. <laughs> Definitely uh, tweet tweet to Eric if you have any questions uh, about his lacas at L underscore Silvero. I will. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing we do is usually at Temple, after the porn spiel, after the little show, there's a carnival. Little kids, you know, play the bozo buckets and the, you know, <laughs> pin the tail and the, all the, the general, you know, rentable carnival games mm-hmm. and um, raise money for the synagogue, raise money for the community. And, you know, you get to watch cute kids play carnival games. What's what's in, in costumes? Like, what's bad about that? So it's really a celebration of our existence, which I love. Um, yeah. Now, if I can, I'm going to go back over to, to Vashti and, and kind of compare her to Esther. Please. So they're two very powerful queens, and they show their power in different ways. Uh, Vasti shows her power by not getting naked for her husband. Mm, yeah. And Esther shows her power through her vulnerability. But both women shaped their endings, which I love. Now, if we were to sort these queens, because that's how I look at everybody in my life, I have to sort them, <laughs> um, we would put Vasti and Gryffindor and Esther and Slytherin. Oh, hell yeah. I see it. Yeah. Esther's one of my girls. <laughs> Esther doesn't show her hand. She's cunning, which is the yeah. which is the correct Slytherin trait to admire, not the racism mm-hmm. part. Not she the was. racism. We're not a big <laughs> fan of the racism here. And so she she knows what she's doing. She's focused. She's training her mind on on the things that she has to do to get the outcome that she wants. She's playing mm-hmm. the long con. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah, Vashti totally. is straight up like, I don't want to deal with you. Like, bye. Um, which is a very like gryffindor trait like not wanting to do what you don't want to do so you don't do it yeah there's definitely like strength and uh and like a thing to venerate in both you know and like not dealing with even one ounce of uh mistreatment and and saying like hey it is uh unsafe and maybe unwise for me to react in the moment the way i want to so Mm. i'm going to sit back i'm going to plan and i'm going to make my move when it's the most effective yeah um which is which is i think so smart um, now, another tradition that I learned about while I was doing some research is that some that back in his, throughout history, people would burn effigies of Haman, mm. like really, like Guy Fox. Um, from what I understand, it doesn't really happen anymore. But I think it's interesting to to take the catharsis to that level. I mean, and even still now, like it's bad. Anti-Semitism is real. It's it's happening. In the past mm. year alone, there have been two very visible attacks on my people like yeah yeah it's it's a bad thing that's happening and so i i i think the burning of Haman's effigy is is a catharsis thing um so yeah porum is great we drink a lot esther and vashi are both two (laughs) very powerful women a lot Mm -hmm. of jewish girls are named esther for that reason Mm -hmm. 
As they should be. And there's a group called Hadassah. Hadassah is like the the Hebrew form of the word Esther. That's that's just like Jewish women getting together and doing good. Oh, hell yeah. And it's, it's all over the country. That's incredible. And it, it strikes me like to your point a, a moment ago that um, gloating in the face of your enemy's demise would be so understandable. Mm-hmm. And yet so like pretty much every Jewish holiday that I know about, at least, um, acknowledges the fact that like you you know they're like it, it is bad for people to die it's bad for people to suffer period yeah. and it's like always a very like nuanced compassionate like you don't have to raise money for the community you know on on perm you can just be like fuck you we're alive yeah. <laughs> you know we're gonna yeah. eat and drink um and that's just not the way it is so for for anyone to characterize judaism as anything other than like fundamentally compassionate and good for the world is like so Harmful. I don't know. Baffling yes. and harmful to me. It's harmful. It, it perpetuates stereotypes that are harmful and incorrect and bad. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Not not to dwell on anti-Semitism in a celebration of Jewish existence and identity, mm. but um, yeah, it's just I I, I don't. But get every it. holiday, I mean, all of the major holidays we celebrate, other than the ones that are you know in the Torah, besides Passover, are celebrations of when we overcame anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hanukkah, for example, is not in the Torah. It is a very minor holiday, but mm-hmm. it is literally a story of the miracle of the light and the miracle of the fact that this ragtag bunch of people defeated the Greeks. Yeah, totally. So so we celebrate the fact that we're alive throughout the year. And I think that's part mostly because of the fact that we've been persecuted throughout history. Right. So yeah, it's 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 interesting to be a Jew now, and it's interesting to to see how these stereotypes continue. And to see how, you know, Haman could still be a person today. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is which is more terrifying than interesting. But yeah, no, it, it is. And like the the things you describe, like we were saying earlier, you know, it's it's so like you have to be uncomfortable with the fact that it is predictable that these stories go the way they go and that it's not uh, just archaic relic of the past that we can point to and be like, you know, isn't this something that we all understand to be completely indefensible and we've learned from now uh we haven't and there is like urgent work that need to be done like we all of us need to learn from esther and be esther and stand up like esther and make her proud every day and And be brave in the face of like very probably losing your life yeah yeah because like you're i don't know like personal safety is just one thing it's not the thing like if you if your life is is governed by ideals that are bigger than just self-preservation it's a it's a real possibility and a real choice. And like we all hope that, you know, these kinds of big sacrifices that we read about in literature or in history books or, you know, in our religious texts are a factor of the past. Um, but they're just not. And I I don't know, as a kid, I was so um, like grateful that I was like, oh, it's so convenient that on Hanukkah, we talk about why we're celebrating Hanukkah. And I am six and at my friend's Hanukkah celebration. Um, and even though I am not Jewish, I get to understand what the story is like and participate in it. Uh, but now, you know, knowing the context that all of these like holidays that teach you why and how we celebrate them. It's not just to be nice, but it's because, you know, celebrating in hiding or needing to, um, you know, transmit your culture, identity, and practices to kids when there isn't safety to have infrastructure to do mm-hmm. that, you know, in Sunday school or in temple. Um, it's it's not, you know, it, it's all part of, of this context, and it is generally not a happy one. But to hear all of the reasons why Purim and so many other holidays, like, they are both acknowledging that and also saying, like, we're here 
let's eat, let's drink, you know. Yeah, the, the, uh, saying, just, the saying is they tried yeah. to kill us, we won, let's eat. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's so Jewish. It's why I, you know, I'm I'm a nonprofit professional and I do, and I raise money for my community. And that's why I do what I do so people can be educated and people can understand and that hopefully this constant terrible cycle of anti-Semitism can stop. Yeah. And I just, I, and I love that I'm so privileged to be able to do that. And it's wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, celebrate Purim. Your, your friends will, would love it if you ask, hey, can I come and celebrate Purim with you? We love, you know, teaching people about what we do and why we do it. Um, I often, I, not often, I always say that my favorite part about being alive is that I get to be Jewish and that I get to, I get to be part of this community that just is so open and welcoming and that I can practice in the way that I choose to practice and that I can practice in and not practice in ways I choose not to practice and how I can make Judaism my own and I can be Jewish and a feminist. And uh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Incredible. And we're really, really glad that you were able to come on the show and share that with us. I was so happy to do it. Where where can people find you on the internet? You can friend me on Facebook, Eliana Morris, E-L-I-A-N-A-M-O-R-R-I-S. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Jewish Ravenclaw because that is what Eliana, I am. what a good username. What a yeah. good username. Yeah, and I have some fix up, like some Harry Potter fix up also under that name. So mm. if you go to fanfiction.net, you can find there's a Scorpius and Rose fic that I abandoned because Scorbus is everything, but it started and it's there. <laughs> um. I always say that, like, I, I'm a podcaster now, but my, like, the, the biggest number of people who are familiar with things that I have made are definitely people who have read my fanfic. Yeah. Like, it is way more popular than my podcast will ever be. <laughs> and, like, I'm, I'm chill with that. Yeah. And if anybody, shout out, uh, announcement, anybody who wants to work with me on an Anthony Goldstein censored fic, hit me up because <laughs> I would love to do that because oh my God. there's only one fanfic about Anthony Goldstein, the only Jewish student at Hogwarts, and it's terrible. Why? Hey, that's bullshit. So I need to make a better one. And if you want to help, shout me out. Let me know. Um, <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, Eric Silver has uh, complex feelings about no longer being the only person to talk about uh, Jewish things and holidays on spirits but i think he's going to be very proud of this episode and of you uh particularly for shouting out a doc goldstein everyone's favorite uh student at <laughs> yes he's amazing um so yeah instagram the jewish ravenclaw find me on facebook um my husband has just started taking you know doing photography a lot and so you know he'll take candid pictures of me and put them up there um and you can see oh my god i'm looking now so beautiful your hope is beautiful and your wedding thank you thank you yeah we just got married a few months ago and we just got back from our honeymoon so a lot of pictures will be coming up soon from those things and yeah respect your jewish friends ask to learn about their culture about our culture respect your friends who have cultures different than yours because usually people will love to explain why they do what they do mm -hmm. i love that and i've recommended um the book jewish literacy by rabbi joseph Telushkin oh, yeah, as great. a really helpful primer oh good I'm, I'm glad you like him too because i have found that book super helpful um i read it on at the library a few times and then finally bought a copy because it is uh really wonderful and a good thing to go back to um for those who want to learn more about judaism but um Eliana, are there any other books that you would like to recommend or ways that people can learn more yeah. about Jewish history, feminism, or Esther and Purim in particular? Yeah, so um, I'm first going to to recommend um, The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank, because beyond being a diary of a, of a person who was in, who lived during the Holocaust and was couldn't experience fresh air or like life, um, it's a lot about how she defines her own Judaism as a young girl living in this secret annex. 
so Diary of a Young Girl, um, there's a trilogy of historical fiction called Rashi's Daughters. Uh, Rashi was a uh, rabbinic scholar back in the 1100s, and each book is told from a point of view of each of his daughters. Mm. Um, and it goes through like what it was like to be a woman in 1100s Jewish France, and also like how traditional Judaism was practiced then. Um, so that's mm. by Maggie Anton. That's really good. Um, and then also there's a great website called heyalma.com, mm-hmm. which I kind of just describe as the Jewish BuzzFeed. <laughs> I love Incredible. that. Um, so it's, it's, it's just, it's like a feminist Jewish millennial website is the best way to describe it. Beautiful. Um, and yeah, go to your library, you know, read the Tanakh, which is the Torah and then the prophets and then the writings and, 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 or read your bibles that you have at home just and read the old testament through the lens of someone who's jewish and mm-hmm. you'll understand a lot more about who we are i'm also going to shout out my uncle um his name is mark lickman he has two books out one is called the sacred treasure of the cairo geniza um a geniza is a place where you store jewish documents um that have the word of god that, that have the name of god written on them because you're not supposed to throw those away right. and then he has another book called stolen words um, which is about the massive library that the Nazis amassed of Jewish texts. Mm. So the, both of those are okay. by Rabbi Mark Lickman, and you can find those on Amazon. Yeah, I'm happy to recommend Jewish books or you know events that you can go to in your area. Uh, most major cities have a federation that have events specifically for people who who are you know new to the area and who want to learn more about Judaism and who or who are Jewish and want to find a Jewish community. Well, incredible, fantastic, Eliana. Thank you so much. Happy Purim. Thank you. Thank you so much. And happy forum to you too. And listeners, remember, stay creepy, stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at Skillshare.com slash spirits2. You could get two free months of Skillshare Premium. At thirdlove.com slash spirits, you'll get 15% off your purchase. And Motherland premieres on March 18th on Freeform. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.